3, 2, 1, roll the footage! Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino. What if you could hang out with sprinters and ask them about their problems, their workflows, and their solutions? This is exactly what we do here at the Strategy Sprints podcast every day. And today, we explore with the author of Full Voice, how to master vocal presence, what to do to bring gravitas into your voice, and how to use your voice to inspire passion. Welcome, everybody. Barbara McAfee. Hello. Good to, good to hear you, Simon. It's good to see you, everyone that I don't see. <laughs> and they hear you, they see you. And tell us, what are you currently creating? Well, I, uh, I wrote a new song in my garden on Saturday in praise of strawberries. So that's my newest artistic creation. Can I, we hear it? Pardon? Can we hear it? Oh, not yet. All right. it, needs a, it needs a piano, and I don't have that down, but it's, uh, it's very passionate about strawberries. But besides that, I am creating an online, self-guided, full-voice course that will give people the basics about how to open up more power, pleasure, and uh, choice in how they express themselves every day. And I'm also creating uh, more people to carry my work in the world. I'm graduating another group of full voice coaches between now and the end of the year full voice coaches so you you are training coaches to do voice coaching yes because simon there are too many voices for one person to help so i have people from mostly the us canada and australia right now who are training and then i also have about 20 who are already trained um, and this if somebody listening right now goes, hmm, do I need a voice coach? How do they recognize that they need one? Well, first of all, I'll tell you how they um, don't recognize they need one. If they hear themselves in their uh, recording somewhere on a voicemail and they think, oh, that's not me, uh, that's universal. Uh, that's, that is just how... That's just the physics of how our voices travel. When we speak out into the world, it travels through air. When we are, what we're hearing is conducted by bone and tissue. So it's very disorienting. I think um, sometimes people just kind of know it, that they're, they're talking in a monotone. Uh, I had one client who did a lot of hypnosis. He's a, a professor at Harvard Medical School. But he's also done a lot of hypnosis. So when he started doing public speaking, he just noticed, yeah, exactly. People got very, very relaxed. So if your audiences are falling asleep, or if you see this kind of response, like the eyes get big and people do this, you might be a little too uh, fiery. Or if you get feedback from your colleagues or your bosses that maybe you're not bringing enough uh, gravitas or professionalism. You sound like you're 12. Um, they're just a, certain kinds of habits that we just get stuck in. So there's a few indicators. And sometimes it's even across cultures. Like I, I got a feedback and I'm Italian, you know, usually an Italian abroad, they hear, oh, you are too loud, too intense. Can you do it smaller? 
And I got the feedback from a US colleague of a mastermind. I said, Simon, you are talking, you're so monotonous, so boring. Can you start speak up loud and clear? And I was like, oh, oh thank you for feedback. Wow. wow. And it's so interesting because speak communicating is a two-way street. So my approach to the voice is not to say like, we're going to find just the perfect sound for you because there is no such thing. So how you speak to your pet is probably different than how you speak to your prospective client or your boss. Um, we change it all the time, but mostly we do it unconsciously. And so sometimes being more boisterous, I use Italians a lot for getting people more in their passion. We sing about pasta a lot, lasagna, mostacioli, you know, that's the fire voice. That's the voice that gets people's attention. But when you're speaking more intimately with people um, or someone's having a hard day in your presence, you say, I have bad news, we didn't get the sale, then you might use your water voice, which is what I'm using now. So. One voice is not going to work for all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And the approach I have is that you have at least five choices. So if something's not working, you can try something else. Oh, I love it that you, you use the element. You seem to use fire, water. Yes. Tell us more about that. Well, I use five elements mm -hmm. of earth for gravitas and authority. Fire, which I already mentioned, for passion, being seen and heard, public speaking, uh, getting your physical vitality alive. Water is good for anything the heart has to say. I'm sorry works well in water. We have all received the I'm sorry. <laughs> that is not going to connect. Um, it's, and uh, metal is uh, for amplification. Mm. So sometimes if people have a softer voice and they're in a loud, crowded place, remember loud, crowded places before pandemic? Remember. <laughs> but if you have a voice like this, no one is going to hear you. And so if you bring a little metal in, you can hear it just pops it out. Uh, sports coaches use this a lot. Hey, people, listen up. We're going to have it. Yep. And then finally, air, which is really good for inspiration. So if you want to tell a story, you can say, I have a story about that. We are in the past. Or if you have an idea for the future, you can be talking now in this time and place, and you can say, I have an idea. So I have taught this to people from all over the world. And most of the time, these elements work once in a while culturally there might be something that doesn't quite work but most of the time they're useful for just at least getting more flexible and choiceful beautiful absolutely i was running in the morning and saying to myself earth carry me water heal me yeah fire transform me wind free me up beautiful what a good thing to do instead of worrying about something. It is exactly the antidote to the anxiety that I, I usually start the day with. And then I go one hour running in nature with this exercise. I 
I center, I center myself. I come really transformed, beautiful. Yes, and I start my everyday with a two-hour hike at a park. I live in, the, in a small town about an hour outside of Minneapolis, St. Paul in the States. And I get up at five and I am down in the park for two hours and I see deer and coyotes and eagles. And by the time I come home, I am, I'm so happy. And everything else after that is good. So and oh, I, sing, I sing to the, the I sing to the river. I sing to the the trees, and the animals. Um, so I'm the crazy lady who walks in the park and sings sings. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! But I'm sorry. Go ahead. I hope you will sing in this episode at some point. Oh, I will. I think I might close with a song actually. Cool. So I'm super excited who you nominate for this strategy award just after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. When everybody's zigging, this person is zigging, but from your perspective, they're doing the right thing. Who do you pick? Oh, it's an easy pick, actually, because... I was just with this dear friend and mentor of mine named Peter Block, B-L-O-C-K. He is a longtime leadership thinker, writer, and uh, overall uh, rascal. <laughs> and we are, uh, we are colleagues now. We did a keynote together to open the Organizational Development Network Conference a couple of weeks ago. And what I believe he is about is turning a lot of leadership ideas on its head, on their heads. Mm. So he believes that the small group is the method for transformation in any organization. And that the things often that we think of as decorations are not essential, like beauty, music, food, natural light are actually right in the center of what we need in order to create a future that is different from the past. And he also confronts people with their freedom. A lot of us enter into the world and into our work relationships like a victim or, oh, they're doing that thing to me again. And he is often, uh, that's why I call him a rascal. He confronts people with the fact that they are citizens instead of victims and um, and he's very funny and he's written amazing books um, one of which is called the answer to how is yes the answer to how is yes uh, and the other one of his i love is called community a structure for belonging mm. and so he has taken more of his work towards communities uh, and less Uh, he's still got people who are doing the work in organizations as well. So I love him and I love what he stands for in the world. Beautiful. Because organizations right now, of course, after all the lockdowns and, uh, and being offline, but this has even um, intensified the problem. But organizations are actually a place to make more out of the single through relationship, through belonging, through community, 
And not always a team or a department really exercises that function. You can be quite lonely in a department, in a team, right? So thinking about community and belonging, especially inclusivity and belonging um, is, is so important right now. Yes, it is. And I was an organizational development consultant for 12 years, much to my surprise. I didn't see that. I didn't see any of my life coming, to be frank. I, I didn't. I was terrified of singing in public. I, I didn't study uh, business, but I ended up being uh, with a group of very creative consultants for 12 years. And we did a lot of the things that Peter talks about just organically. We had people dancing together. We had people singing together. We had people juggling and taking nature walks and reading poetry. And the whole time I felt a little crazy. Like, like, are we, are we being fluffy? Are we being uh, touchy feely is the, you know, the slang for being too soft. And when I met Peter, he put that conviction uh, he gave it. He gave it ground and uh, put words to what we felt were just or organically was the right thing to do. Beautiful. I think you can't you can't get belonging through infrastructure only. Through you, you need to find places where people can be human beings together. Yeah. A lot of organizations right now are very dehumanizing. Yes. Yeah. And technology and organization should help us become more human, actually, together. Yes. And, uh, it's, but it's, it's still a challenge. You have mentioned two books already that inspire you. Uh, what, what else did you inspire when, when you read them? Well, actually, I want to mention I, the first book that I thought of when you asked that question was Full Voice, my book because I, again, didn't expect to write a book. I know people wake up every morning going, oh, I want to write a book. <laughs> that was not me. But one thing led to another and I got invited to propose a book. But what, I, what changed, it, changed me in writing the book was realizing what I was carrying and having to put words to this thing I've been doing for decades and to find a way to translate what was happening in my teaching studio and in trainings and at conferences and workshops and things and put it into language that would translate. And that really changed the work. And it helped me figure out also now how to translate this work for other people to to pick it up. So I remember doing the rewrite. I doubled the length of the book in six weeks Uh, And I don't remember a lot of the time. I remember sitting at my dining room table that was covered with books and papers and my laptop. And I remember just being ecstatically happy. (laughs) So that was, that was quite an experience. And it's been lovely to have people find me through the book. Beautiful. I'd love to hear some, some transformations of people working with you. Like, how are they when, when they start the work? How are they maybe after, after three months or six months? What, what, what do you see transforming, happening to them? What I, well, I'll give you a couple of stories. One is a gentleman who started his career as a carpenter. 
And he's a big guy with a big voice. He was, and he's a fire voice. Because when you are up on a roof and there's machines and saws, you have to get your voice really, really loud so people can hear you. But then he ended up moving inside and became a manager and a customer service person in this remodeling renovation company. But then he was giving people feedback on their performance. Can I give you some feedback on your performance? And they'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so terrified. Or he was dealing with upset customers. And that voice doesn't work very well when you're trying to calm people down. So I called him in my book, The Wall of Sound. He was just one voice, fire all the time. And it either terrified people or wore them out, made them tired. So with him, we kept that voice because there were times that it was useful when he was doing a big presentation to a large group of people. And plus it was just part of his spirit. But we also got him more accustomed to his water voice so that he could choose how to, like if he had an employee who was having a hard time or a customer who was upset, he could modulate his voice to use more water and air. And a lot of what we would do is we would open up all these sounds in a playful way. And he happened to be a person who liked to sing. I'd usually try to get people singing little simple things because they start with sound way out here and we end with talking. And what's right in between that is singing. And he happened to like to sing. So we had him singing lullabies to help him get the water voice. Um, so that was a that was a change. And, um, and one other quick story. There was a woman who had a very light voice. She was brilliant. She was in marketing at a large, large company. And her boss could see that people ignored her, didn't really take her seriously. And he sent her to me. And she, uh, in her first session, I listened to her and I said, so tell me before we change your voice, are you the person who sees the future before anyone else? And she got, you know, that sparkle in her eye. And she said, yes, that's what my boss always says. We're in marketing. And he says that I always know what's coming before anyone else. I said, well, your voice told me that because the air voice is about the future. Mm. And so I said, you get to keep that, but we're going to add some fire and earth so that at the table, you can translate those ideas you see into language and tone that people will take you seriously. So we found ways. She had a couple of months worth of sessions with me. And so I had her doing uh, fake martial arts yeah, punches and getting her more on her body. So there's a- How beautiful, yes. And is your work mainly virtual via Zoom or do you also incorporate also uh, offline sessions? I used to do both. Of course, with the pandemic, I've been exclusively on Zoom, which has opened the world more uh, because there are people coming from all over the world now that, that couldn't come to my teaching studio. It'll be interesting to see what happens between you know, now and a year from now with, the, with the, hopefully the easing of the pandemic. I may stay on Zoom mostly because it's, uh, I've learned 
how efficient it is. And also it's, there's an intimacy in it that is, and a safety in a way, there's a, there's an intimacy and a distance at the same time. So, but I have, I have presented this work at international conferences for uh, Association for Training and Development, Organizational Development Network, International Coaches uh, Federation. I've done it at lots of international conferences, but who knows what's going to happen with all of that later. Because I can imagine that people open up more because you are distant and because, because like it's, it's like in a plane when people tell you their whole story because they know that you, you will go apart later yes. or in a bar somewhere and they tell you their whole life. And, but also because they are home, so they might feel safe in that moment to be loud because they are at home. The only difficulty with it I have found, Simon, is that when people have children in the house doing distance learning, I had one woman in Atlanta, her daughter came in and said, we were, it was a, I teach a, an introduction live online class. It's like about six weeks. And she was doing that. And her daughter came in, mom, I'm trying to study and my whole class can hear you. Um, and then also people who live in apartments. I had a gentleman um, in New York City, uh, several people in New York City, and they were in their tiny little apartments. And if they're singing or yelling, um, the police might be called. <laughs> okay, I'll take clients from everywhere except New York and Paris. Yes. You need big apartments or houses. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm curious. What excites you looking forward? Where do you see your business in three years? You know, one of the things that this pandemic taught me is that planning is ridiculous. I mean, it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to dream. Uh, so with that caveat, what I'm, most am excited, what I'm most excited about is continuing to build a community of practitioners. I have the certified coaches, Uh, that are continuing to study and bring the work into places I would never go. Like I'm training trauma therapists mm. because voice and trauma are very linked. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I also have facilitators who are in, empowered to just present and introduce people to the five elements framework into the, the, the voice work that I do. Uh, and so I'm just really interested in continuing to create more people who carry the work and then also connecting them with each other for continued learning, support, play, delight. So that is my big dream is that, that, that that's a vital and alive community who's enhancing the work. Oh, I love it. And, uh, and since we just had our Monday meeting where all our certified coaches came together and every Monday we discuss all the clients because That's the way uh, th that I have found out it works for us to ensure quality and supervision and, and learning and always staying sharp. How do you uh, ensure quality and, and, um, and, uh, and, and progress with your, with your certified coaches? Well, before the pandemic, we, would, we only got one chance to do this. We were gonna, going to have a gathering for those who could come every other year in person. And we met at a place with a lake and went swimming and we just had and sang a lot and had a lot of fun. Some of our members are not 
that uh, oriented towards singing, but many of them have come to love it, even if they weren't thinking they would like that. Um, and then we have, now we've just been doing Zoom, quarterly Zoom gatherings for the coaches to check in with each other, uh, ask questions, share stories of our work that way. But it's still a small enough group that that's developing because there's about 20 coaches now and another six that will be finishing uh, in, by the end of the year and then another group that's starting. So it's still very emergent how we, how we go about this. And again, who knows what it will be like as things open again. Beautiful. And um, so one question that I always ask is, uh, who should be my next guest? Oh, have I got a good person for you. This is a woman that I uh, share a publisher with. She's actually the person who got me connected to my publisher to write the book. So I call her my angel, but she's also brilliant in her own right. Her name is Jennifer Conweiler. And she writes all about introverted leaders and how people can collaborate across introvert, extrovert difference. I think, I know she wrote a book called The Genius of Opposites recently. That's about, you know, goes through these historic teams that were an introvert and an extrovert. And the first book I ever encountered of hers was called The Introverted Leader. And what's funny about Jennifer is she is a New Yorker and she's a flaming extrovert, <laughs> but her husband of 30 some years is an extreme introvert. So she's had a lot of experience in navigating the difference between extroversion and introversion, but also just how to support leaders who are introverts. And I have done a lot of work with introverted leaders as well, because speaking for introverts is often like a second language for people. Mm -hmm. And so our work con has connected very well and we're good, good, good friends. And she's, she's wonderful. She does great work. Beautiful. Where, where can people hang out with you, find out more about you? BarbaraMcAfee.com is a really good place. And I'm on Twitter at Barbara McAfee and Facebook also. And I have not jumped on the Instagram train, even though my friends tell me I need to. So those are the best places. And I would love to hear your stories, your questions, whatever, you, whatever is inspiring from this conversation. I am all ears. I'm welcoming any conversation with any of you. And uh, of course, I have to ask you, what did you sing today in the morning when on your two hours hike? Okay, this is a song I wrote. And the words are by Hafiz, who is a great uh, Sufi mystic poet from the Middle East who lived hundreds of years ago. So it's a collaboration across the centuries. And it goes like this. I wish that I could show you I wish that I could show you whenever you are lonely or walking in the dark. I wish that I could show you. I wish that I could show you the astonishing light of your being. 
Woo! Thank you, Barbara. My pleasure. Thank you for sharing this beautiful song with us. And uh, people, go to Barbara McAfee and uh, connect and uh, share your voice journey and your voice questions. And uh, she can help you become more present, more impactful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. My great pleasure. Thank you, Simon. See you soon. I hope so. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.